Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. morning, my friends, and welcome to this sixth Sunday of Easter as we continue to to walk and and consider all that it means, that empty tomb and how it redefines all of the world, our story, as we are brought into this new creation, to this new act that God has done through Jesus Christ, that the reign of God is present with us and that we are a part of the reign of God. And that is our identity before anything else above anything else. And so as we consider all that that means, we continue working with the letter that we call 1 Peter. And so we're going to read today from chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. And it reads from the Kingdom New Testament. Who is there then to harm you if you are eager to do what is right? But if you do suffer because of your righteous behavior, God's blessing is upon you. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be disturbed. Sanctify the Messiah as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to make a reply to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that is in you. Do it, though, with gentleness and respect. Hold on to a good conscience. So that when people revile your good behavior in the Messiah, they may be ashamed. It's better to suffer for good conduct, if God so wills it, than for bad. For the Messiah, too, suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. In the spirit, too, he went and made the proclamation to the spirits in prison who had earlier on been disobedient during the days of Noah, when God waited in patience. Noah built the ark in which a few people, eight in fact, were rescued through water. That functions as a signpost for you pointing to baptism, which now rescues you, not by washing away fleshly pollution, but by the appeal to God of a good Conscience through the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. He has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for meeting us where we are, for meeting the early church where they were, to bring a word of hope through your disciples, through your apostles and messengers, through your preachers, through your church. Lord, I thank you for the good news and proclamation of your reign that you have brought to us through Jesus Christ and through so many others. Speak now this word of hope and truth. Help us to hear it in spite of ourselves. 
Lord, speak through me in spite of me. And Lord, help us to embody all of this, to become your holy people. And may we be found to be acceptable in your sight, Lord, in all that we say and do and all that we are. Lord, you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We continue on with this letter that is kind of written to a different world than, than many of us find ourselves in, both literally, but then just the situation, the culture, the circumstances, this particular church, we understand to either be shoring up their strength before they are persecuted by Rome as Nero's coming into power, or perhaps later in the century when they have endured that kind of persecution. And as the whole the whole Roman province was kind of holding their breath as Domitian was taking the throne and, and now this threat of persecution was coming once again. And so we have a lot of this, this writing that speaks to the church to give them strength and assurance and hope amidst suffering. And so we find in this particular group, this particular community, that slaves and women who are the abundant uh, people uh, the presence of the people coming to be a part of the church as they are addressed earlier in the, in the letter, that slaves and women are the vast majority and then there are men as well and they are all instructed on what this new identity in Christ through the resurrection into God's holy family, what it means for them in their current role. Because what we are awaiting in our day is the great day of the Lord being totally consummated and completed. The day of the Lord has come in Jesus Christ, has initiated the new age. But the new age exists at a time when the old age, using this ancient language, are still both existing and, and kind of in tension with one another. And so we have the very presence of God with us. The very presence of Jesus Christ is within us through the Holy Spirit, but we still live in a world where disease sweeps through the land, where entire regimes and empires persecute and oppress. And we see it in our own society. There are entire groups of people that live a very different existence than other groups of people. The system itself works against certain groups of people, even in our society, and, and all around the world. And so we see the presence of the new age and we see the presence of the old age. And while they had to redefine their roles, while they waited for the full coming of the new age in such a way that the old age passes away, that great day when we won't have persecution anymore, there won't be exclusive behavior. There won't be all the isms and the phobias that we deal with today, that'll all be gone. But in the meantime, how do we respond? What does it mean for us in this good news of the Christian faith? Now, we have our images behind us and we carry them as a reminder of what's happened and what will come. But we need a good word here and now. And so what the author is speaking to is to shore ourselves up amidst the, the struggles that we have today. A lot of the struggles, if we admit it, are within our own selves because our selfish desires are strong. Amen? And if we're unwilling to admit that, that is, in my opinion, proof of your selfish desire to want to be right and to not be humbled 
And to not be fully honest because you're afraid that if you confront yourself and your weakness that you aren't going to know who you are. But we embrace the humility. We embrace the weakness as followers of Jesus Christ who embraced it on our behalf and showed us the way. And as we talked about last week, Christ is our example. Christ is the cornerstone by which we are not only aligning our lives, but are being aligned by God to become the new temple, the new presence. And so the word is offered here to not be afraid. Don't fear the things that the world fears. We can pretty easily identify the things that the world fears. They fear, the world fears being vulnerable, and we see this personified greatly in our nations because you want to have more bombs than the other person, right? The other country. And so a few countries have an astronomical amount of bombs, not because they're afraid of anybody else, but they're afraid of that one other country or two other countries that are amassing them as well. And so there will never be enough power and uh, the perception of strength and security. There'll never be enough by the world's standards. It'll never be enough. We can see that in our own lives. Maybe it's Maybe it's financial. I mean, we see, we see people in our society that amass enormous amounts of wealth. And even though they have more than they could ever possibly even hope to spend or give away, they just keep amassing it because it's never enough. The desires of this world will never be enough for us, ever. Which is why we're asked to live a different way and buy a different model and into a different reign altogether, which is God's reign and no one else's, and nothing else's. Which is why Jesus says you can't serve mammon and God because you will never stop seeking more and more mammon, right? And that it's gonna get in the way. And if you're truly seeking God, then you don't even care about the mammon. So it's one or the other, and that's just kind of the way this world is set up, especially in our culture where it's so economical. Money's not bad, but the love of money, the worship of money, money as your God, of course, is. And so, He says, don't fear what they fear. Don't be disturbed by the things that they are disturbed by. Don't suffer for unrighteous behavior, right? If we're gonna suffer, suffer for righteous behavior. Suffer because you're doing things God's way. Now, if you're doing things God's way, then you are trying to work and cooperate and be a good person in the lives of everyone around you. It should be pretty easy to know that if we are a good follower of Jesus Christ, if we're a good Christian, that should make us a good mother or a good father or a good teacher or or a good business owner or a good American or a good Democrat or a good Republican. Being a good Christian should make us better at everything else that we are. But our core identity is our Christian faith. And sometimes the other Clubs, tribes that we can find ourselves involved in, they have fear over things that God would tell us, don't don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of being vulnerable. Don't be afraid you don't have enough. With God, you have everything. And so sometimes what we believe and understand in our Christian faith means that we're gonna operate differently than the other people of the various tribes and titles that we might align ourselves with doesn't mean we shouldn't be a part of them. Absolutely not. It means that we are allegiances to Christ first. And if our allegiances to Christ 
And that means that we suffer some hard times, some ridicule, some resistance in our other tribes. Let us make sure that our behavior is righteous and of God and full of God's justice, which is the other word for righteous, that we are just as God would define it, not as anybody else. And then if we're ridiculed, we're ridiculed for doing what is right. And there's no better place to be if you're going to be ridiculed than being ridiculed for doing what is right. And I loved, it says, sanctify the Messiah as your Lord in your heart. Continue to be sanctified. Continue to let the Holy Spirit remind you that it's Christ who is our Lord, who's in charge, whom we follow, whom we listen closely to or or obey. It is Christ's example that we adhere our lives to and nothing and no one else's. And when we are questioned about the great hope that we have as we long for that day, we respond to ridicule and resistance and questioning not with ridicule and resistance and questioning, but with gentleness and respect. Because through our loving response, we win souls, just as Christ won ours by dying for us while we were yet sinners. It's that story that makes no sense, a love so great, a grace and mercy so abundant that we are awed by it, that it connects with our very souls. Let us be. Christ for others in that same way. And it goes into this very strange story, one that you probably might be unfamiliar with. And so it goes into this idea of Noah and this angelic powers, these spiritual powers and authorities. So it's going all the way back to early in Genesis, right before the flood comes. All right, I'm, I'm going to give a brief explanation. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Right before the flood comes, there are these semi-divine spiritual beings that also were kind of like superhumans. They're called the Nephilim, Nephilim and uh, no one really knows exactly what they are. You can watch a movie called Noah, and they're like rock monsters. Um, some people understand them to be angelic creatures. We don't really know, but the point is they came down as this kind of divine race. They intermingled with humans and they created this, this impure race of humanity that rejected God. And God then, that's the story that preempts the flood stories. And so after the flood subsides, there's only eight people left. And these are eight people that were not corrupted by the Nephilim. And that's Noah and his family. And then from them bursts forth out of the waters, once again, the new creation. And so what it's saying is is that when Christ died, Christ uh, descended to the dead and went to the place where these spiritual Nephilim, these beings were, and even brought the news of Christ's overall defeat of, of evil and of spiritual beings and, and uh, well, the word rebellion defeated that and even told them. And so what that means is that Christ has undone all the corruption that's ever been and then goes on to say at the very end that Christ has gone into heaven is at God's right hand with the angels and the authorities and the powers subject to him. He has the authority over these evil spiritual beings that 
kind of operate behind the scenes and, and bring about some of the evil in the world. So telling the church, don't be afraid of the things that come to you in the world. Christ has already established authority over them. It's a really strange story, probably made a lot more sense to them than it does us now. But if you were wondering what in the world all that talk was about, that's what that's about. So we're gonna go back to the beginning though, because we're gonna go back to this idea of how we live and act in our world. Because there's a lot of turmoil going on right now, particularly about whether you should wear a mask or not in public, whether you should be reopening businesses or whether anyone has the right to ask people not to reopen the business. And it's just fascinating to watch the responses. It's heartbreaking to see all the emotion that is coming forth. So many of you have been affected by the stay-at-home order by COVID, some, some of you in very different ways. Now, I've, I've had the incredible blessing to continue to work. I continue to come here and to do what I've been called to do, yeah, very differently, no doubt, but I've been able to continue to work. Not all of you have that luxury. Some of you have been furloughed for several weeks and you know it might be several months before you have an opportunity to do what you're called to do in the capacity that allows you to make money and survive and pay for things and eat and live in an apartment or a house. Some of you haven't been furloughed, but you do work at a job where you wonder if your day's coming. Or maybe you know your day's not coming, but you know that your coworkers' day might be, or they are asked to no longer come to work. Or maybe you've already seen some of your coworkers lose their position. Maybe you've had family members unsure about their fate, what's happening. Maybe you've had people that you knew on Facebook that you've been a part, you've seen how it's affected their lives. And so the whole talk about letting people work and, and be at risk and be in danger, you know that it's nuanced and you know, it just depends on who you're talking to and what the situation is as far as how you approach the conversation of how we continue to do what we do to get back to some sort of economic normalcy. A lot of emotion has come out about this. People are carrying guns into government buildings and yelling, and people are judging those people and yelling at them, and people are yelling at the people who are yelling at the people who are yelling, right? You see how this goes? You know what I'm talking about. The emotion that comes out of this comes from a deep sense of fear. Everyone's afraid. Everyone is. Those who have been furloughed, you're afraid. What, what's going to happen? I don't know. And that's scary. And business owners, they don't know if their business will survive or if they'll be able to keep the people they love and work with employed. That's scary. Some people think that our freedoms are being challenged and, and wherever you land on that perspective, know it comes out of fear. We don't want our freedoms to be challenged. We're afraid. And so people are doing rather drastic things out of this fear. Of course, then, which that's scary to other people to see people walking around with guns and getting really irate. And so they're operating out of fear at telling them to go home and stop. Wearing masks, not wearing masks. Is it my freedom? Is it my safety? It's all fear, right? And there's, there's other stuff in there, but there's a lot of fear. We're afraid. 
Do we come back to the church? How do we come back? Who should come back? How close should we sit? Should we sing? All these questions are, are, are operating with a sense of respect for the reality that people are getting sick and dying, but also wanting to come back and worship. And how afraid should we be is kind of the question at hand. And I don't know the answer, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't want to be not afraid enough, and I don't want to be too afraid. That's kind of where I'm at. And as we figure this out, as we each day we learn more and more of watching the world around us, states that are reopening, we're all given more information from which we draw our own conclusions that either mostly we probably just work into our narrative to affirm what we already think, uh, or maybe we're allowing it to critique what we think, but we don't know. But we all want to have our input. We all want things to just calm down and get back to normal, but we don't know. So is it okay to be afraid? Yes, it's okay to be afraid, but afraid of what? Afraid for what? That's the question we should ask. Are we afraid for the, the well-being of the day-to-day and, and people having work and being able to eat and, and live life the way they want to? That's okay to be afraid of. It's okay to be afraid for the person next to you who might lose their job or afraid for yourself. That's okay. Is it, is it okay to be so afraid that you allow yourself to become violent? And ugly? No, I think you're venturing into a a dangerous fear. Maybe one you can't help, but a dangerous one nonetheless. Does your fear overpower your hope? That's the question to ask. There is fear for today, but in the grand scheme of the reality which Jesus Christ not only ushered in, but defined and continues to bring about in us through the Holy Spirit to lead us to that great and glorious day when there will be no more reason to fear. Do our actions today make our hope evident in a way that is gentle and respectful? Or do we call what we're experiencing hope even though it doesn't look very gentle and not very respectful? Is our hope maybe overpowered by our fear? We're human. If that's happening to you, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, maybe that's true. It's okay. It's okay. It's a good place to be, to even ask the question, to be willing to be humble enough to ask the question, to be willing to face yourself and the honest answer and to know that we have grace and we have mercy from Jesus Christ. And it's at this point in that realization that we then say, Holy Spirit, lead me, help me, feed me, guide me. And the Holy Spirit is ever waiting to hear you make that, that call to which the Holy Spirit will respond to remind you that over any power and authority, whether it be spiritual, whether it be earthly, whatever it may be, it's already subject to Christ. It is. If we suffer today, because we're gonna suffer, it's very clear in scripture that we will not be removed from suffering. We will not be taken out of suffering. That's not the way life works. And I think you know what I'm talking about because you experience it. 
but it's through the suffering that we actually come to understand quite a bit about God and ourselves and about life. And if we're going to suffer, let us suffer for being people of hope with gentleness and respectful response and our behavior to be of good conscience. Good conscience. This idea is that we are to hold on to our good conscience, which is that our entire self is caught up in the great hope and the great proclamation and good news. Our entire self and that we can walk forward knowing that all of our self, all of our actions, all of our thoughts, all of our desires and dreams and emotions and responses, while they may not be perfect, they are founded upon the hope of Jesus Christ before they are founded on or before they are drowning in fear and chaos. We have meaning and life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeems us sanctifies us, creates within us the very presence of God to purify us and to lead us into any and every situation in life, to help us handle all that we've been given. And we've been given a lot to handle, some of you more than others. And Jesus Christ is with you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you. And Jesus Christ suffered unjustly, and dealt with fear, praying that the cup be taken away. But he followed the path anyway, because it was the right thing to do. And you have to discern what the right thing is for you to do, but to trust that it's okay to fear, but we want to maintain the path that's been set before us and trust that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do just that. We'll figure it out as we get going, as we take each step. That's what the church is for. We guide each other. If you're trying to do this faith all on your own, you're going to struggle. We need each other. Reach out to people whom you love and whom love you, who share the same family name through baptism, that we look and we realize that through baptism, we are no longer the people that we were. We are no longer defining ourselves by any other tribe other than God's tribe, God's people, we are now a part of the new humanity in Jesus Christ. So reach out to them. Reach out to each other. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Speak with gentleness, with respect. Speak of the hope. Proclaim it. Witness to it. Help each other in this great time of need. And do it in such a loving and beautiful way that everyone around you is in awe and sees the glory of God working through you. And so I, I offer this invitation as Christ modeled and then offers it to us, that we take it up and we take it up eagerly and allow the hope to lead us onward into this wonderful life of faith in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.